0: Now listening to podcasting in pinstripes, the official New York Yankee podcast of Gotham Sports Network. Welcome back to another episode of Podcasting in Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. As always, you got Sam and Steve back after a week off, and the Yankees did
1: not take a week off. They had a great
0: one. Sam,
1: how was your week? It was great. Made my return to Yankee Stadium for the first time since 2019 for Saturday's 3-0 winner of the Detroit Tigers. Gave a lot of money to the Bronx economy and the New York Yankees. (laughs) Did you get a chicken bucket? (laughs) We did. Three of us split the value one. (laughs) You got (laughs) it. Amazing deal. Best deal in all of sports, ballpark slash arenas. That money better go towards re-signing Aaron Judge, though, who is once again hitting the cover off the ball. I was in the second row of the bleachers Saturday, and you can see me standing up as Aaron Judge's home run goes into the right field stands what's not to like steve shout out to you correctly predicting the split in tampa bay stunk that we lost the last two games but the yankees have not lost since then sweeping the angels and sweeping the detroit tigers before this quick three-game road trip at the minnesota twins before returning home life is great steve
0: Life is good, and we last talked on the 24th, so almost two weeks ago now, and it was the Yankees had their first losing streak kind of right before that, and there was the, you know, the Yankees lost four or five, including three in a row, two to the, the White Sox and the, and the Orioles, there was a the whole Josh Donaldson thing, and people were like, oh, the Yankees coming back down to earth, this is what happens, and then <laughs> boom. They go into Tampa with the split. Like you said, could have been better. The Angels, who have been playing, were playing pretty good ball before coming on their big road trip. Uh, they they did not look like the team that they looked beginning in the year. Yankees took care of them with ease, and the same with Detroit, who we aren't expecting much from Detroit. But overall, sitting 39 and 15, a third of the way through the season here, it's pretty remarkable, and it's got to be frustrating for AL East teams. You know, if we take a quick look at the standings, the Blue Jays went eight and two of their last ten and gained zero ground on the first place team. They're, on, they're a 95-win team in Toronto right now, and they're going to look like they're going to lose the division by 10 games. Like, that's how good the Yankees have been. It, it, it's pretty remarkable, and it, it doesn't matter who they're playing. It, it really doesn't. We'll take advantage of the soft schedule, sure, but they go out there and they play some good games for, versus, you know, like you said, the Rays are always a test in Tampa. They went out there and threw amazing games, and it, and it all starts and ends with pitching, Sam. The first podcast of this season I declared that the Yankees understood that they were a pitching first team. Even though they were the Bronx Bombers, they would go as their pitching goes. And boy, has their pitching taken them to the moon to start the year. I'm going to let you pick with any of the starting five here. Who do you want to talk about first? Because they are all been phenomenal. Our three up is a five
1: up and it belongs to the starting pitching. Steve, you really put me on the spot there, my man. <laughs> I have no clue it's coming down to me between Jamison Tyone and Luis Severino. I am going to go with Jamison Tyone. Since that time we were at the game in Philly when he didn't get out of the first inning, he's got a sub-three ERA. He has been absolute nails and he's in a contract year. He leads the team in wins with six. He's six and one on the season. He has a 2.30 ERA in a contract year. Steve, we talk about Aaron Judge and his impending free agency. We talk about a lot of people and what the Yankees are going to do with their future. Jamison Tyone, is he pitching his way into a a nine-figure deal somewhere with how desperate teams are getting in free agency? I don't know about nine figures. But my goodness, he is pitching very, very well in a contract year. Forget a quality starter that we talked about a couple episodes ago. He looks like a team's ace. And the Yankees have so many starting pitchers that are performing. All five, in fact. The worst ERA is Jordan Montgomery with a 3.02. Really?
0: Sam, that is 25th in baseball. So the Yankees' worst starter has the 25th best ERA of a starting pitchers in
1: baseball. Stupid. You just don't have many words for it anymore. Everyone is performing up to expectations or exceeding them. And then you have Luis Severino, who on Saturday, seven innings, one hit, 10 strikeouts, the one hit went off of kiner Falafa's glove. I'm looking at those two this week, but you can go in so many different avenues. It is so hard to talk about the performance of this unit, honestly, because we've never seen anything like this. Every time one of these guys goes out, you expect a quality start right now. And you said it before we came on to record tonight. During this Yankees stretch since losing three straight and four or five, they've given up six runs, zero runs, two runs, zero, uh, zero runs, three runs, four runs, one, 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 zero, zero,
0: four. It's insane. I love it. I love that you just kind of start, started with, with Tyone here, too. We talked about him a lot. You know, I think it was like three or four episodes ago. And I kind of mentioned that like there, this could be a run that he can go on because he's looked really good. And I love that you mentioned his contract because I think that often has gotten overlooked. And this is a guy the Yankees should be looking to lock up long term. And you mentioned nine figures. I mean, Sam, Zach Wheeler got $115 million at age 29. Jamison Tyone is 30. If he continues to have the season like he's having, I, $100 million, yeah, that that's that's gonna
1: happen, right? I think so.
0: He had a lot of injuries, obviously, in his career. But 2018, he had 32 starts, almost pitched 200 innings, and pitched to a 3.2 ERA. 2019, it was a very injured year, but then he gets traded to the Yankees. So there's there's a kind of a, a little influx of injury, which is obviously the case. But 29 starts last year, and as you mentioned, since that Philadelphia start. He's been a top 25 pitcher in baseball. That's gonna get you a big deal. Because out of those 25 pitchers, I'd say what, 18 of them or 19, 20 of them are all under long term deals that probably have a hundred million dollars. So that he's looking at himself a huge payday if he could stay healthy. And if you're Yankee fans, you hope that payday comes and it comes from from Brian Cashman and the Yankees' organization. Because he's been worth it. Even though at times we're some of the prospects they gave up are doing well for the Pirates. This has been a home run win again for the Yankees and their, their trades. It's pretty remarkable what they've done here. And look, we said, who I pick, say, you pick who you want to start with. And you didn't pick Nestor Cortez. We talked a ton about him. But this guy is going to be the starter for the All Star game. He's going to be up there for Cy Young. His odds keep dropping. We looked at it a couple weeks ago. He, he's going to be one of the best pitchers in baseball. And again, he is not one of the top guys on our list this week, which is crazy. I want to talk about Garrett Cole a little bit. He took a perfect game into the seventh inning. It's crazy that that wasn't the best start of the week, given what Tyone did and even concerning what Severino did. But uh, I think that's a big start for Cole. Once again, to give myself a little pat on the back here, I predicted he was going to throw a no-hitter like five weeks ago, and he's getting closer and closer to that. His stuff looks great. O- almost has too many strikeouts to throw a perfect game in today's game because he's going to be t- if he wants that, he's going to be touching 120, 130 pitches for a perfect game. But Garrett Cole has been exactly what the Yankees needed of an ace when they have a rotation full of aces. 5-1, 2.78 ERA, 81 strikeouts. Another guy that's going to be at the All-Star Game
1: and possibly win the Cy Young. There's legitimately no wrong answer when you ask that question of who do you want to talk about first. because like I know. That's said, why I made you do it first. <laughs> there's, there's legitimately five aces. And Garrett Cole, I like how you make the point of how he has too many strikeouts to throw. A no-hitter or a perfect game in this day and age. But he's been electric. He got some crap that he was, quote-unquote, the worst Yankee starter. Not a, not a bad thing to be. You know, even if he was the worst Yankee
0: starter, it means he's better than every freaking buddy else in baseball because he's got the best rotation in baseball. But that, obviously that's not true. Just rat, His last three starts alone, he's got 30 strikeouts. The filth is, is there and coming for him. Even, uh, you know, when he faced Tampa, he gave up two hits. So he's got up four hits his last two starts. So let alone just forgetting about the amount of runs we're seeing. You know, this streak that the guys have been on, the numbers when you look at just the hits we've given up, those are typical numbers that you see for runs. Like if you look at like five, three, four, two, we'd be happy with those numbers if they were runs. Those are total number of hits the Yankees starters are giving up per game. It's pretty remarkable.
1: In his last three games, he has 30 strikeouts to three walks. All of those walks came in the start in Tampa. That is absurd. If you go back four starts, that's 35 strikeouts to three walks. Unheard of stuff. And his stuff is absolutely electric. The Tigers looked like they had no chance against him on Friday. Really, the Tigers looked against him and Severino like they could not hit a ball. Some of their approaches to the plate were so, so bad. They have a lineup full of guys hitting just above the Mendoza line or just below it. They are a bad, bad offense. But still, it's great to see the Yankees as a whole, as a pitching staff, really dominate them this past weekend. And the pitching has been great going back in the last week against an Angels team who has now lost 11 in a row. But there's still plenty of guys in that lineup that can hurt you. I know If not, Mike child's
0: Trout- playing, he's the best player in baseball. I don't care if he's got some injuries or if he's not playing well. That lineup is good, and it's shocking that they've lost this many games in a row. And then even like the the, the game that Otani pitched again for somehow the Yankees they got to have Otani's number. It seems like he's got two starts in New York, and he's given up eleven earned runs in four innings in those two starts. And you remember that famous one last year where he couldn't get out, get one out of the in the game. And then somehow the Yankees blew
1: that game. One of the worst nights of my life, I will
0: <laughs> say that. But I mean, it's crazy to see it, see that all. Like, it's, it's coming. It's surprising. Just stay out of Otani a little bit because he's amazing, and it's great that we got to see him up close and personal. And honestly, a little disappointed that he didn't pitch even better. I'm glad the Yankees got the win, but as a baseball fan in general, it was going to be really cool. I thought to maybe see Otani like throw seven innings, and then also do a lot at the plate. Luckily for us, that didn't happen. I think Otani got two hits the entire series almost hit a home run lead off home run in one of the games that Judge was able to track down it goes to the fact of that Otani was pretty clear and it's not knocking him at all but he was pretty clear he wanted a west coast team to be closer to home and he didn't really want the the big market and his two starts in the Yankees he has not shown up at all and has gotten shelled i think that's a little little interesting something if the Angels can get back on track and make the playoffs i'm going to be very interested to see how Otani does from a pitching standpoint when the pressure's
1: on. Otani, I see here, he has his third year of arbitration in 2023. And then he's an unrestricted free agent after that season. That came up quick. At age 29. I remember after the 2017 season when he was coming over from Japan, And he immediately eliminated the Yankees. It seemed like he was going to be the next great Yankee. And the Yankees go and get Giancarlo Stanton instead. And Otani goes out to Orange County to be with the Angels, who it seems like have not been relevant in forever. I know the Yankees had some tough games out there, some playoff series. The Angels got the best of them in 2005. The Yankees beat the angels to go to the world series in 2009, but I don't really know what is going on out there. I know this is the Yankees podcast, but the Yankees just <laughs> played the angels and Shohei Otani's is one of the best players in all of baseball. That's just a team that, that it seems like can't get out of its own way. And like you said, when we were previewing the series last episode, they spend money, but yeah. nothing really has come of it. And the Yankees swept them. The angels were absolutely lifeless. In that three game series, they scored one run in each game. So credit to the pitching staff of the Yankees that is doing everything right. Seemingly this season, the defense behind the pitching staff has been really good. And Steve, I'll let you lead into it. We're talking about an identity change here. With the Yankees, which was going to be a big point tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's all about pitching and defense, and then let the bats just come as they go. And look, it's that's what the Yankees have done, and they'll have their games like they had versus Detroit, where you we knock them out thirteen nothing real quick. But there, there's been a lot of grinding games. There's been a lot of you know three two two one three nothing five four, and that comes down to pitching. We bullpen has been fantastic. It's gone through its its injuries, but it's been fantastic. But in the end. It comes down to the starters. In the end, it will come down to the starters. Famously, idiot Marcus Stroman said that the Yankees' inability to win a World Series has come down to their pitching not performing in October. And while he's gotten everything else about that tweet wrong, he's got that part right. Only thing that's going to matter is October. So while the Yankees have... The number one, 11, 20, 24, and 25 pitchers in ERA right now to round out their rotation. Those numbers need to be like that when the real games count. Because as it's looking at, the Yankees can win 100 games. But if you lose in that first round because your starters can't get out the fourth inning, it's not going to fucking matter what you do in the regular season. So it's fun to watch. Every game has an opportunity to be a no-hitter. We literally just saw three games in a row where the Yankees starter basically had a no-hitter through six, seven innings. And look, Severino, who knows what could have happened if they called that an error on IKF in the first. And everything else has been... There was ample chances for multiple no-hitters this week from the Yankees starting rotation, which is crazy. But exciting overall to think about. Pitching's great. We're good there. Just because we, we played the Angels, and they have Tyler Wade and Andrew Velasquez on their team and playing regularly here. It kind of wanted me to bring up Glaber Torres. Those two guys now on the Angels got some time at shortstop last year simply because Glaber Torres could not play the shortstop's position. Has been switched back to second base full time, and there's a logjam of who's gonna play where and what's it gonna be. Glaber's answered the call. Glaber Torres has 10 home runs and 26 RBIs. He's batting right around 250, which is fine. He's getting plenty of games. He's He's got 50 games on the year and is back at 30 home run power uh, potential. It, has it just been the switch to shortstop? Or do you see some other things maybe in the way that he's hitting too? But could this all just be a mental change that has brought Gleyber Torres back to potential stardom?
1: I'm not sure what it is, but it could be the position change. Playing shortstop for the New York Yankees is a high, high high-pressure task. And maybe he couldn't live up to it, but I see a much better approach at the plate. He's trying to go the other way, which is the best thing possible he could do. And right now, I know there's a lot of shuffling going on, but he's the Yankees' everyday second baseman. Jimmy. That is the best thing maybe to come of the Yankees' offense early on this season, minus Aaron Judge, off to an absolutely blazing start in the first two months. So Torres, the 30-home run powered, looks to be very back. And that one in Tampa he hit was an absolute rope. He hit to that weekend. But he absolutely roped that in the left field, He looks like a different player, and that is the best-case scenario for the Yankees. I was thinking about possibly trading him before the start of the season, but his value probably was at an all-time low, so I'm glad they didn't because Torres at age 25 is creeping back towards stardom, and it's been a rough couple of years for him. That 2019 season where he hit 38 home runs, you think back to all of what baseball players went through in the last two seasons. The 2020 season was obviously very unconventional and everyone gets a mulligan for that. And then you fast forward to 2021 and maybe he just had a down season. Maybe that was the case. I still don't think he could play shortstop every day, but maybe it was just a down season at the plate after a campaign in which really we both agreed that was a big mulligan for a lot of players. So he looks the part in 2022 and 2530 home run power is on the horizon, which for a guy who was one of the most hyped players ever when he came over in that trade for a role, Chapman, there's a lot of guys it's good to see play well, but this guy's high on my list.
0: He's still 25 years old, already past the amount of home runs he hit in 2021, where he hit nine at nine over 127 games. He's got 10 over 50 games. Sam, his defense looks a lot better, too. We know his his shortcomings at short, literally. But second base, he looks confident. Still going to have some of those plays where you think he looks a little bit lazy, which is bullshit. And he's a little nonchalant. Has a little maybe Robbie Cano flow to him. But he's much better defensively at second base lately. And like you said, he's been their, their second baseman very regularly. DJ LeMay, who is bouncing all around. You know, Josh Donaldson went on a quick IL stint. Going to get this guy at bats. Not a question here at all. Already has 183 plate appearances. He's going to hit 500 plate appearances this year, barring injury. And that's, what, that's what's needed. In 2019, his breakout year, he had 600 plate appearances and 38 home runs. It is very conceivable that he's at 500 plate appearances and 28, 30 home runs, which would make him an absolute star again at age 25. Fun to see here when there was literally talk of like, we should trade Glaber Torres and keep Andrew Velasquez, who's hitting like 112 <laughs> for the Angels. So always fun to bring that up to the fact that Glaber has just been killing it. Another guy that's been doing great is Jose Trevino. The power's starting to come. He's got four home runs. He's our everyday catcher. We talked a lot about him last episode too, but just another shout out here to... The the stuff that he's doing and everything going on behind the plate needs to be addressed here. Where, more importantly than Chirino, could it be a bigger contract that the Yankees give Matt Blake instead of Aaron Judge? His money doesn't count towards any luxury tax here. Can we give Matt Blake a billion-dollar contract to never leave the Yankees as pitching coach?
1: Even if he gets an offer as a manager or You can't let him leave.
0: You can't let him leave the next five to ten years.
1: Just give him whatever. Blank check. I'm on board with it, but he's obviously going to get some managerial looks, and I don't think, just joking about giving him the billion-dollar contract, but I, I don't see, he's going to be one of the hottest managerial candidates out there for what he's done with this pitching staff, both with the starters and with the bullpen. Clay Holmes is obviously the shiny example in the bullpen, but after a rough stretch for Michael King, he looks elite again. After a good couple of outings. Matt Blake has been one of the hottest talked about names of the Yankees. And I don't know what he does. Do they give him some special secret formula to put on these pitchers? Because it is every guy the Yankees are trotting out there is doing their job.
0: The prep work is unmatched in Major League Baseball. Some of the things you can read about Matt Blake and what he does and the amount of time and the amount of you know, different types of machines, the amount of analytics he looks into it all is unmatched in baseball. It is a copycat league across all sports. You are going to see people being the next Matt Blake for the next five years here. Try and recreate what Matt Blake did with the Yankees. Try this tool. It helps with do what Matt Blake did for the Yankees. It is going to be the hottest thing when people are talking about pitching across major league baseball. Yeah, that's awesome because that means, you know, being the one of the leaders in that is great to great to see. You know, he he started this work in Cleveland and he produced amazing pitchers for the the Guardians, but really seeing it come to focus here with New York, having the elite pitching get even better. We talk every week about Nestor Cortez. A guy that got dropped off the 40, got as a Rule 5 pick. He got returned. He got traded. He got picked up again as a free agent. And now here he is leading Major League Baseball with a 1.5 ERA. Just dominating people left and right here when he can't even throw 94 miles an hour. You could talk hours about Matt Blake. Two other topics I want to talk about really quick here. Matt Carpenter. Where the hell did he come from? Obviously, we know him from his St. Louis days. But this dude was just chilling in AAA and no one decided to give him a chance. It is pretty fun. He's the old, the stash is working. Four home runs, six RBIs in in seven games he's played. Strictly was a, was been a DH for the Yankees. I don't know how long he's going to last on this team. Giancarlo Stanton is on the IL and back off the IL in between episodes here. So that was a good sign here, but that did also give us Matt Carpenter.
1: When I saw this move, I just saw his 2021 stats with the Cardinals. And I was like, where was he? I couldn't find anything about where he was until I went to his Wikipedia. Media page, and he was with the Texas Rangers in their minor league system. He was hitting the cover th- off the ball. <laughs> I thought the Yankees just signed him off the street, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? Did they just sign him off the street? But he's been really good. Some long home <laughs> runs. He went three straight games with hitting a home run, which at 36 years old, he had a bad 2021. He had a bad 2020. But like you said, I'm not sure how long he's going to last on this team. But he's providing some good lightning in a bottle right now. I'd like to see him do it over a sustained period. But Stanton's off the I.L. Miguel Andujar, who we're going to get anew, has requested a trade. So does he have a home here for the time being? Josh Donaldson's off the I.L. Yeah. Is, uh. is there any? There, I don't think there's anyone coming up that would... Take his roster spot. I like him as a nice left-handed bat off the bench.
0: Yeah, and and Tim LaCastro is healthy, and they optioned him to AAA. Like that's the roster spot right there. That was Tim's spot that he he earned and was playing pretty well. And but he got that injury, and we'll, we'll see what happens with, with Carpenter. He got sorry, he got four home runs and five hits so far with the Yankees. So every hit has been a home run except for one, and the other hit he had was a shift bunt. That was just an easy single that he took. Which leading into it now. Did you see that John Boy video of the Yankees figuring out the, the, the pitching, uh, the tipping of the pitches by that young kid in the Tigers? E- excellent video of just breaking down how the Yankees figured this out in a true showmanship and sportsmanship of baseball, just dominated the game, and then let the kid know, hey, you were tipping your pitches all game. That's why we crushed you. And, and Matt Carpenter, that bunt single was kind of the the catalyst of how they were able to figure it out. Because they needed someone on base to test out their theory. Pretty awesome stuff. And I think great insight into baseball. And We need more of that shit all the time.
1: That was an awesome video. And for the Yankees to have guys pick that up in the dugout was really impressive. It's not like the pitcher's hands were going up and down or whatever, which is one of the most obvious pitch tipping signs. But that is very impressive how they Could figure that out off of his head movement, and the Yankees just started crushing him. It was a barrage, and that game was over in quick fashion after that happened. Credit to a lot of people. I wonder who the guy was, or the people were in that dugout that figured out he was tipping pitches. We talked about Matt Blake. It could have been him.
0: I was just going to say, I bet you it was Matt Blake.
1: (laughs) I think so as well. That is who my money is on. Not that he works with the hitters or anything, but he knows, probably knows when a pitcher is tipping his pitches. So that was a really cool video. Great breakdown by John Boy unbelievable personal rise for him they're doing, they're doing good stuff they're it's, doing good yeah
0: stuff. yeah i mean that was just a really cool video to see it all and then even and then i i like the sportsmanship of it of rizzo telling them later in the game like hey this is what you guys was doing obviously the guy was out of the game now and people are like oh why would you tell him why not just let him do that It was a he's a young kid let him figure it out and and b the yankees are done with the tigers they're not going to face him again and he's got to go to boston in a few weeks like you don't want boston to figure it out You don't want the Blue Jays to figure it out. The Yankees did what they needed and moved on.
1: And Uh, it's unlikely the Yankees will see the Tigers in the postseason. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So overall, it was going to be figured out no matter what. The Yankees figured it out, and we were able to kind of watch it in real time the next day. Very, very cool video there, and it kind of ties into Matt Carpenter and his final spot here. Look, he said several times that he is already in love with this Yankee team, and he will put the bags on the plane if that's his job. So I'm... very interested to see how long he sticks around and maybe even if it's he sticks around after he gets cut or something because it doesn't seem like he's ready to give up the pinstripes just yet. Segway Steve, giving up the pinstripes right just yet. As you mentioned, Miguel Andujar is ready to give him up. He's ready to turn him in. He wants to be on a different major league team and he wants to play every day not his first trade request he did this at the end of last year as well kind of was bummed with the joey gallo trade uh, all of this makes sense but obviously coming to light here with the news reports here of him being trade, wanting to be traded after being sent down and i can't blame him because the yankees have continuously gone out to get guys like carpenter that are taking spots and at bats away from miguel and duhar he's not a young chicken anymore though sam he's already 27 years old where do you think uh, where do you think
1: this ends for the Yankees and, and Miggy? Probably trading him in a package that would net a Clay Holmes project 2.0, whether that be a hitter or a pitcher. I'm not really sure. But I don't see Miguel and Newhor on the Yankees roster for the remainder of the season. I think he's played in his last game in pinch stripes after being sent down. I think that's a reasonable request, too. Yeah. 2018, he was second in rookie of the year voting. He had the injury in 2019 and has not been the same since. So I'm not expecting to get a whole lot from him, but I hope that the Yankees are able to move Andujar to a team where he can get at bats every day because he deserves it. That injury really derailed his career early on. Now, you can have your own opinion if you're a Yankees fan, but I hope he goes... To a team where he could get regular at bats, Gary Sanchez came out in support of Andujar requesting a trade, which I think is that they've played I a think, lot together over the years. That they're buddies. I, I think, think it's a, makes... I think that's a general consensus among Yankees fans. Yeah,
0: and look, it's fine. Look, I would love to get 2018 Andujar back here. You know, breaking the Yankee record, rookie record for doubles, and and all this. But in the end, he's he's 27 years old. He needs consistent playing time. I, I don't care what you think about Gallo and Hicks. They're getting paid ten plus million dollars. They're not going to get the playing time over Andujar, who has options remaining, and who isn't really going to do much better than like. Look, the Yankees are crushing every single record projection right here. They're on pace to win 117 games. They don't need a spark that Andujar is going to give them. They would rather stick with the guys of Hicks and Gallo, who are significantly better defenders, even though Andujar has amped up his left field game a lot. Gallo and Hicks, in theory, can play all three positions in the outfield and play them above average. So the Yankees are looking, again, it goes back to they are a pitching and defense team who knows they will get their hits. So they know they're going to get their hits no matter who's in the lineup. And Joey Gallo hit his sixth home run of the year the other day, even though he literally the only time he ever hits the ball. But they also get on base a ton considering which is remarkable considering the fact that they can't hit the ball Miguel Andujar never walks literally never walks he has 38 career walks Aaron Hicks has 23 walks this year Joey Gallo has 19 walks this year so the two of them combined have more walks in 2022 than Miguel Andujar has in his entire career it's not that that big of a career Crazy
1: to think about
0: (laughs) but like these guys walk all the time and at as much as people, I would look. I would love Aaron Hicks to get a fucking hit in, when he's got a runner in scoring position. I would love for Joey Gallo to get a productive out, even. But look, the, Hicks is signed for multiple years. Gallo is likely on his way out after the after this year being a free agent. There's just really no room for Andujar, and I, I disagree with your return for him. I think it's going to be low teenage, low a ball teenage guys that the Yankees get a couple lottery tickets here, similar to like Clint Frazier. They're going to need that 40-man spot. And Andujar is going to be an easy guy to hopefully move because it could go the Frazier way where he just gets non-tendered at the end of the year. So the Yankees, I think, say, I agree with you. I think they're going to move them. They have plenty. They have the depth that, that's needed. If there are significant injuries that come up in the outfield, Marvin Gonzalez can play the outfield. Esteban Floreal may finally get a shot here. We got Castro hanging out in the minors here know all three of those guys are above Anduhar, probably on the pecking order when it comes to needing a reliable outfielder it's going to be interesting i feel bad for the guy i feel like just like gary sanchez says he deserves to play if you're a team that's rebuilding if you're like the reds uh or the diamondbacks or some shit why would you not just give away a couple low-end prospects and just play this guy 100 games a year
1: and see what happens in the next two years I should have thought about the return for Andujar before I mentioned that you're a roster crunch
0: guy. You love roster crunches. The
1: Yankees did not get much for Luke Voigt. They got a raw yeah. prospect. There you go. That's a the, better
0: return, I think. Yep.
1: Yeah, that that's what the return is going to be like. If it even is someone in that ballpark, Justin Lang the right-handed pitcher. Yep. But that's going to be the ballpark for a return, I think. I
0: think if Andrew Hart came in to 2022, I mean, look, he's playing sporadically and it's really tough, but he's had 12 games. If he came in and hit five home runs in those, if he put up the numbers that Matt Carpenter has put up, he'd be on the roster and he'd be playing more. And it's tough to say you need to come in and you need to immediately produce. He had a big hit the other day, which was great to help us win a game. But if you're not, if you don't come in and immediately produce, you're not going to replace the guys that are struggling. Because there's the same chance that they break out of their slump that it does that you that you do something. And, and it kind of sucks, but that, that, that's kind of the end-all, be-all. And look, he requested this trade last year, and the Yankees didn't move him. There is the new rule where you can only get sent up and down from the minors five times. The Yankees have already done that three times with him. So they got two more chances at that, or else they got to keep him up on the roster for the whole year. So I don't see that happening either. So a move seems likely but at the same time, could, Brian Cashman could just keep him in Storm for another two years if they wanted to, if they have the 40-man spots. But I, I don't see – the Yankees always need a roster crunch. So moving on from him will be uh, – is it, kind of the only move I, I see for, for the Yankees and for Andohar, and I hope it works out. Since that 2018 season, his numbers aren't that impressive. And, yes, he's dealt with injury and sporadic playing time, but nobody's nobody's banging on Cashman's door to get him immediately in a trade. So it might take some time.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think this will be resolved before the trade deadline or it will end at a non-tender after the season. It'll be as simple as that. And I feel for him, but the injury wouldn't have derailed him so much, I think, in that 2019 season. I think if he was a really great player, he would have just come back and kept hitting when, when called upon. Like you said, the sporadic playing time has definitely been rough. But I agree. No one's going to be banging on Cashman's door to get him. It's going to be a, a low-level return, and I hope he gets the opportunity he needs wherever else. And the Matt Carpenter looking pretty good, definitely. It definitely is. Help. Does not help, even though he's only DH'd for it's in, in the early part thing. of his Yankees career. I'm not sure if they have any other plans for him. This Miguel Andujar from. The Yankees fans arguing tooth and nail that he should have been rookie of the year over Otani. That is going down the drain <laughs> yeah, just pretty a quickly. Bit.
0: Just a little bit. All right, Sam. So the Yankees are going to the Twins starting tonight. And that's going to bring a bunch of familiar faces here. We already talked about Gary Sanchez already being asked uh, about his former teammate in Miguel Andujar. There is going to be lots of talk about this trade. Obviously, it's worked out well for the Yankees as they are the best team in baseball but I don't think it's worked out terribly for the Twins. It's going to be weird seeing Gio and Gary against us in the lineup, but I'm kind of looking forward to it as well for this three-game set with the Twins.
1: I am too and both haven't been great but haven't been horrible. Urshela has 5 home runs, a 7.22 OPS. Gary Sanchez is 7.35 OPS. Both have a 0.6 WAR out there in the Twin Cities. I am going to make a bold prediction that Each of them will hit a home run in this series. That's how I'm feeling. But when you look at this trade, Josh Donaldson has not all the way lived up to the hype. I know he was hitting in a big way before that whole incident with Tim Anderson and the COVID and the shoulder IL stint. But there's really not a clear winner in this trade yet, I don't think.
0: Yeah, and if you look just at the box score, just at the back of the baseball card here, it looks like actually the Twins got the better end of the deal at at the moment. Just if you're just looking at the offensive stats here, because Gary Sanchez's got seven home runs. He's got a 114 OPS plus. Gio Urshela's got a 114 OPS plus. Josh Donaldson has a 114 OPS plus. And Isaiah Conoff-Letter has a 90 OPS plus. But it goes to exactly what the whole theme of the Yankees season in this episode is. It's all about the defense and let the hits come when they come. Josh Donaldson is proven to be a much better defender than Gio Urshela. Even Gio, I think, missed some time this year. But actually, no. Gio's played more games than Josh Donaldson. Josh Donaldson has a 1.4 war on baseball reference compared to Gio's 0.6. That is calming down. The difference there is defense. The defense is 100% defense and getting on base. Josh Donaldson has a higher on-base percentage than Gio. And Isaiah conner the same thing. Obviously, comparing catcher to shortstop is not how it works. But, you know, Isaiah is not going to have that power. He may never hit a home run in a Yankee uniform, but he provides that contact and that's a huge difference. He's got 31 strikeouts uh compared to Gary Sanchez's 49 strikeouts. So it's the, the those are the differences here. You know, it's 26 strikeouts for Gio Urshela and f- shockingly 40 strikeouts for Josh Donaldson. So interesting trade going back all to it. Ben Roybalt, I'm just counting him out, not part of this trade at the moment. He was expected to be a big piece for the Yankees uh, but now we have Trevino here, but overall it's going to be talked about a ton this week. Comparing these players and this trade, uh, it's hard to argue that the Yankees didn't win this trade. I know the numbers look to, look similar, but given the Yankees, where they are in the standings,
1: th- this is another home run for the Yankees. But the Twins are in first place. This is a matchup of first place teams. Which is really interesting. The White Sox had all of the hype coming out there into the season. And they're two games under 500 minus 56 run differential. The Twins have a four and a half game lead on the... Cleveland Guardians, and if you put the Twins in the American League East, they would be one back in the lost column of the third-base Tampa Bay Rays who were eight games back of the New York Yankees. Crazy to think about how loaded of a division the AL East is with the Yankees leading it. The Yankees are 16-8 and away from Yankee Stadium, and they get the benefit of the doubt here. They go to Minnesota in early June Thankfully, it was not one of those early April series like they had going out to the Tigers where the end of games it was 32 fucking degrees. It's snowing. So I'm glad that's not the case, but it's going to be a quick one. The Yankees go to the Twin Cities for just three games on the road. And then they immediately return home to face the Chicago Cubs in an interleague series. A tough stretch of the schedule starts after that. But three at the Twins and three against the Chicago Cubs who have kind of performed like everyone thought they would this season. There's not much going on at Wrigley. Kind of entering a bit of a rebuild. Signed Marcus Stroman to a three-year deal. Stinks. Yeah. Yeah. The Yankees are not slated to see him when the Cubbies come to town. Oh, that's a bummer because I would have loved to see. The,
0: the the amount of shit talking he's done and the amount of crap that he's given the Yankees and the Yankees fans these past two
1: years, I uh, wouldn't mind seeing him in his five ERA on the mound versus our lineup. That would have been great to see. But a couple of nationally televised games, it looks like seven fifteen Saturday on Fox. And then it looks like, the Sunday one could be the TBS special. So
0: yeah, if you, live, start.
1: if you live out of the area, like Steve and I, you get two national TV games this weekend, which <laughs> well, I mean,
0: Sam, I mean, we should touch on how many different networks the Yankees play on this past week.
1: Oh my gosh. Don't even get me started <laughs> with this screaming shit. I well, am.
0: Uh, well, then, uh, let me start here then. What did you think of the 11.30 start? As a a dad who's up at 6 a.m. now every day,
1: I kind of like the
0: 11.30 start for a baseball game.
1: I was driving back from Jersey City. I had the game on the radio. It wasn't too bad, but that game went pretty long for an 11.30 start. It did.
0: It it was a little longer game, but it was still nice to like – Look, I love watching baseball, but like as the summer comes up and there, there's the opportunity to play at eleven thirty on a Sunday and be done by 1.30 and be on the beach by you know one thirty and not worry about checking the Yankee score, it was kind of cool. But forget the part that it is impossible to try and figure out how to watch it. But it's interesting at all. The they were on Prime, they were on Apple TV, and they were on Peacock, and they were on Yes. They over the course of eight games. I believe the Yankees were on four different networks. Great way to show how uh, you want to grow the game of baseball. For me, it didn't really matter. I steal most of my streams from Reddit, and I am a member of most of those services. So I kind of liked it. But there are also, I had four different calls with my mom to try and get her to log into my account so she can watch all these games.
1: (laughs) The Yankees had 24 games on streaming services this season. Most in baseball. That is 14.8% of their games people pay a premium for cable in order to get reliable live sports coverage so it's only going to get worse it is just going to get worse which is infuriating in my view Uh, but um, it's um, life
0: um look as you said we're out of market i'm preparing and ready for amazon to buy the yes network and we're going to be every yankee game will be on amazon prime and that's fine with me i'm excited for that i think it's going to happen in the next five years but it's going to be really interesting to see what what happens with all these streaming services because peacock was trending in new york new jersey areas and it was not for the right reasons on sunday morning it was because everyone was bitching about the yankee game being on peacock
1: (laughs) i am a member of prime i am not a member of apple tv or peacock so if they they go on prime (laughs) so be it prime gives you so many other benefits just like espn plus but yeah i'm not happy with it all right, That's I, good. I, don't mind. I, don't, I don't mind the 11-30 start, but get the game on fucking cable.
0: <laughs> All right, let's finish it off here talking a little bit of baseball here. Like I said, three versus Minnesota and then three versus the Cubbies. The Yankees own the Twins, especially in the playoffs here, even though it's only June. This could be is a really important series for the Twins to find out if they're pretenders or contenders here. In, in that division even though they're leading it what, what do you see happening here of these next six games here because they have an off day again next monday uh so three of the twins and three versus the cubbies who are always just a nice classic baseball matchup five and one uh, the, yankees <laughs> go. are gonna, like it. the
1: yankees are gonna take two or three in minnesota and they are going to beat the cubs like they beat the tigers last weekend so
0: i, I agree but I, I switched it i just the yankees i think it's hilarious that the yankees just destroy the Twins. So I'm going to say the sweep versus the Twins and then they lose that Saturday 5 o'clock, the Saturday 7 o'clock game with Monty on the mound. Even though he got the win the other day, he just always, the run support has always been thin for the Yankees. Uh, any best matchup? Probably Thursday, Cole versus uh, Dylan Bundy. The Yankees have seen a ton of Bundy from his Oriole days here, but it's kind of made a nice name for himself and his pitch having a good season. So the, Twins actually haven't announced who's pitching today yet, but they'll also get Chris Archer versus Nestor Cortez on Wednesday. So a couple familiar faces for uh, at least for fans, maybe not for the Yankee lineup as it's changed a lot, but a, a lot of familiar faces that pitched against the Yankees previously. So I think that's going to be a nice advantage for the Yankees when they're playing the Twins.
1: Uh, Bundy is still only twenty nine. That is surprising to he me. He came up young.
0: I remember I, he came up really. I remember looking him up when I was in school. You know, a decade ago, about him being one of the top prospects. He's been around for a long time, and I think he signed a one-year deal here with with the Twins, I believe. Nice to see an old familiar face. I'm pretty sure his numbers versus the Yankees are atrocious, so uh, I'll be I'll be taking the Yankees and Cole versus versus that game. Rizzo versus old team for the first time and probably the only time in his career. That'll be a nice little. It'd be cool if it was in Chicago and get Rizzo get that nice ovation he deserves with the Cubs. But something to keep an eye out for
1: there is uh, a little old team matchup. I'm thinking 5-1, another big week for the Yanks, and we keep things rolling here into the summer, and we will be with you all summer long. I can't wait, Steve. Sam, are we going to get – All right, so this, we came close now. I think we got to start trying every
0: episode. Are we going to get a no-hitter, and who would it be by?
1: <sighs> that's tough. <laughs> I am going to go Jamison Tyone some point before the 4th of July. Okay. I thought you were just going to pick this week. I was like, that's s- smart. He gets two.
0: He gets two starts here. I'm thinking maybe even – Severino's been awesome, and I'm loving what he's doing, and I think a no-hitter would be awesome for Severino. So I'm picking Friday, June 10th, Severino's going to have the best shot at a no-hitter before next episode.
1: Against Liam Hendricks, I love it.
0: All right, guys, thanks for listening to another episode of Podcasting and Pinstripes on the Gotham Sports Network. As you can tell, happy as could be watching Yankees baseball. Sam and I here, let's continue this. 115-plus wins this season. Keep it up as the summer warms up. The long balls will warm up. We didn't even mention – the pitching has been so good, Sam. We haven't even mentioned that the Yankees lead all of baseball in home runs. We used to only talk about home runs in this podcast. What a change it's been.
1: Huge change for us.
0: <clears throat> all right, Culture shock. Culture shock in 2022. Hopefully that leads to a longer postseason Keeps listening along for us on everything. You can Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Sam hooks us up with it all. Thanks, guys. And we will check you out next week. Go
1: Yanks.